Hi, welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. This is Diane, your lactation consultant. And this is Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode, sorry, I didn't even know what I was going to say. I'm like, what do I do now? <laughs> it's the first day of the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. As welcome usual. to the first day. First day, our first episode. Welcome. Uh, yeah, today's episode is brought to you by Fair Haven Health and their Milky's Nipple Nurture Balm. And it's your organic and lanolin-free answer to sore or cracked nipples. Uh, and today's episode is also brought to you by Sarah's Chill, a company that never stops making the lives of breastfeeding parents easier. And we will hear more from our sponsors later, but you can head to badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com and check out our sponsor page. If you ever need anything, check there and see if you can give them any of your business because they make this podcast possible. And scroll down and enter your email address and we'll send episodes straight to your inbox every week. And we are on Patreon and we would really like to have you all there hanging out with us and we're getting to know each other and we are enjoying our uh, extra episodes and our mini podcasts and our uh, weekly wellness checks where we talk about what's kind of going on in our lives and our Zoom hangouts where we just get on Zoom and hang out and again talk about what's going on in our lives and parenting, obviously, usually. Um, but head to the top link in the show notes under this episode, wherever you're listening from. And you could check out the different tiers and the different options. And we would love to see you there. And we are still hosting our ongoing giveaway for people who leave reviews around the internet. Uh, stars, reviews, whatever. Everyone who uh, sends us a screenshot of your review, we will send you a goodie bag of stickers and empowerment cards. You can send those to badassbreastfeedingpodcast at gmail.com. And please uh, send your address too. And uh, now Diane has our review of the week. I do. It says, I am currently nursing a nine month old. I thought I had been, I thought I had become a pro. Then he started biting, immediately started searching for resources. And the latest episode on this podcast was titled The Biting Baby. It was a sign. I wish I would have started listening sooner because it is such an amazing show for all things breastfeeding. I recommend it to all mamas that I know are or are thinking about breastfeeding. The hosts are so relatable and make it feel like you are chatting with some friends. I love it. I wish I could give it a million stars. It's so sweet. Oh, thank you. No, the biting. Oh, I like know. So, <laughs> I know. I started. I, yeah. When you started reading that, I was like, oh, my God. I know. I can't. I can't even relate to that because my kids never did that. But I can't even imagine. I can't imagine just, just like a wants. baby that's just like constantly biting. I know. Poor babies. They don't Ugh. even know what they're doing. I know. They don't know what they're doing. And then you have to keep putting your nipple in their mouth, even though you don't know if it's about to get chopped off. Oh, Ugh. I know. I know. It's okay, so bad. So I just have to say that we had a big yard sale in our neighborhood this weekend. Ooh. And yeah, it's really fun. Like the whole neighborhood gets involved and everyone has like little yard sales and you can walk around. And I don't know. I don't think you can hear it because I think it's a little bit too far away um, to hear it through the microphone. But Exley bought a bell. <laughs> One of those, like when you're at the hotel and you're checking in and no one's at the cash thing, or you oh, know, no like the a, ding bat, like the little ding ding, yes, 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 or the ba yeah, in Breaking Bad, where the um, what's his name? What? Oh, you never saw Breaking Bad. Um, I didn't. Anyway, that little bell, 
Um, and he just is fucking ranking the spell. Oh my god! <laughs> and I, I'm like, what? Why? He yeah. also decided that he's going to start collecting Pokemon cards, even though he doesn't really even know what that is. But they were like twenty five for a dollar, so he's like, look what I got. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. Yard sales just bring out the nonsense in people. Oh my God. It's so funny. Yeah. It that is, bell might but, be one of those things that disappears and you go, I just don't know what I know. It went, I don't know. I don't know what happened to your bell. You must have lost it. <laughs> anyway. Keep I had to track your things. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Poor thing. Uh, Doesn't know what's going on. All right. Well, uh, Today we have Rebecca Meeky. Woo! One of our favorite, one of our like top less than handful favorite guests. I mean, we love yeah. all of our guests. I shouldn't say that, but she's like a recurring guest. Um, and talks about sleep, which we all want love. to talk about and learn. Yeah. <laughs> we all love sleep. <laughs> we all love sleep. We all want yeah. sleep. When yeah. you have a baby, you're like, when am I going to sleep? Rebecca yeah. will tell you. When am I going to sleep? Why doesn't this baby sleep? What's going on? Yeah. All right. Then uh, let's hear from Rebecca. Let's hear about it. And we have Rebecca Miki here, who uh, we've had on the podcast before, and you've all heard me talk about her like a, a bazillion times. Um, because I do talk about you all the time, Rebecca, um, like all of your information. And of course you, I worked with you with both of my children. So, mm-hmm. so welcome. Will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. So, um, I am a Seattle based children's sleep consultant and author. I work with families who have children who are under six. So there's a real broad range of ages and issues that I, that I work with. I am a gentle, no cry sleep consultant. In fact, I really try to avoid doing any sleep training whatsoever, if at all possible. Um, I'm also like to think that I'm pretty realistic with um, sleep expectations, what's normal uh, when it comes to sleep. So um, a little different from from some other sleep consultants out there, I'd like to say. Um, and um, yeah, we worked together quite a long time ago, wasn't it? It was a long time ago now because it was... I, 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 yeah, when I had Jack and he he was the really very highly sensitive um, Mm -hmm. kid and then Exley was born and it was just a shit show. It was like (laughs) like a total shit show. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so I remember at the time you were like, well, Jack's a little older than like what I normally Mm -hmm. work with. Uh, It sounds like your age range has broadened a bit, which makes Sense because everything that we worked with with Jack was totally appropriate and, and worked and everything. Um, and I and I I say this all the time. I think that now Jack is going to be twelve. Next, what? In a, <laughs> he's going to be twelve in two weeks, and actually just turned nine. Wow! And I know. And I I do think that sleep in this house is like a result of us working together. And a, a just of, of dealing with that, because I think that that it's so easy to have these struggles as a new parent. And and, and I, I know that I was really reluctant to work with a sleep consultant because mm-hmm. I, I just felt like they were going to just be like, cry it out, you mm-hmm. know, all this stuff, because that's just all you read about. Um, yeah. So I was really reluctant to do it. And I think a lot of people just kind of push through it. And it's so stressful. And it's so stressful for the kids, too. And I think that just stays 
that yeah. really it really stays with you throughout your life, right? The way you think about sleep, the way you feel about nighttime, the way that you, you yeah. know, are able to fall asleep. And I think now it's just like a non-issue of all the issues in the house. Like everything with little boys is a fucking issue. It's <laughs> <laughs> not one of them. They're just like, okay. Or they're like, I'm tired. I'm going to sleep. Or mm-hmm. it's just like the most stressless thing that we have. And it used to be the main stress in yeah. our house. Yeah, it was. Yeah. When we worked together, it was, that was kind of the main thing, the the main stressor in your house. Yeah. We were in, I feel we were in crisis Mm -hmm. over it. Like, I mean, I I really felt like the family was in crisis over it. And I'm saying all of this to just say like people who are listening, like deal with it now, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's just the same with any other problem, like a breastfeeding problem or any kind of problem. The, The earlier you deal with it, the earlier you learn kind of how to deal with it. Um, the easier it is, first of all. Yeah. And and the better you're just going to, better quality of life you're going to have. Definitely. <laughs> but we all think, you know, sleep is really natural. And you just, okay, oh, yeah. same as breastfeeding. You think that, right. well, you know, if people have been doing it, this is what we do. And so you just think that surely this should be easier. What am I doing wrong? Why Why is this a problem? Why are we struggling with this? And you always as well think that I'll just give it a week. We'll just give it away. Let's just see. It should it should change then. It should be um it should be really different then. But chances are it's not going to be any different. You'll still be stuck. No, and then that's the thing too about being in crisis or any kind of like stress or situation that's really taking over everything is like every ounce of your energy is going to that. Yeah. So then you think I really think I need help. I really think we need this, but like you don't even have time to really complete that thought before you're in the middle of the next crisis of the day, or you're just like fi- everybody's finally asleep, even though it's the middle of the night. Everybody mm-hmm. finally passed out, and it's like okay, well, look, we're finally sleeping. It's fine. Yeah. We'll just get yeah. in the next morning. You're like, eh, no big deal, and then it just starts all over again. Mm-hmm. And sometimes as well, when we're working on sleep it kind of has to get a little bit worse before it gets better. Um, So when I'm working with families, we're making some changes. And so that just feels very foreign and you feel sort of out of your depth. And so it just becomes even more challenging before you start to see the progress. And I I completely understand. Why would you want to make things more tricky for yourself? Um, In the long run, you're getting better sleep. But right now, when you're already running on fumes, you don't have anything else to give. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to do. It's really hard to do. So I imagine by the time you see, I I imagine it's not just me that came to you (laughs) with, you know, with nothing left in the tank. Is that usually where you see people? Uh, Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say um, all but potentially two families have, um, are in that sort of, you know, have hit rock bottom and are in that crisis mode. Um, I think I've had two families I've worked with who are, who are sort of like saying that I think this is going to be a problem in the future. We let's work on it now. Um, oh my God, so, that's amazing. Yeah. And one of them I'm working with right now. Um, and the other one I worked with years ago, but that's with, I've been doing this for 15 years solely with sleep for 15 years. So it's the majority of the people are, 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 are in crisis mode. How do you, I, I I'm, I'm sure you've probably told me this before, but how did you end up in this, like, how, how do you, 
I don't, I've never heard of somebody being like, well, I want to be a sleep consultant when I grow up. Yeah, no, I, like th- that was, that was, I had no, I didn't even know it was a thing. And it yeah. wasn't really a thing. Even when I started doing it, right. it wasn't really a thing. Um, I, my background is in child development and, um, I worked with families in many, many, many different capacities. Um, and then I had my own children and I wanted to start my own business and work for myself and set my own hours because I had two young children. I, um, I had a 14 month age gap between my two kids, a husband who worked stupidly, stupidly long hours and very unpredictable schedule. And so I was, as my kids were beginning to get that little bit older and were just about heading into elementary school, I was thinking, well, you know, it'd be fun to start a business, but what can I do? And so I was working then just with parents as a parenting consultant. So that was, Hmm. was with sleep issues, but it was with, um, some potty training and Mm. setting boundaries and all of these kinds of things. And again, that wasn't so much of a thing back then. Um, my eldest is about to turns 20 next month. So this is, (laughs) I know this was, you know, 15 odd years ago, and I was working with families and things were going really great. Um, but then it just, I just began to realize that the majority of times I was working with sleep issues. So I'd have a, you know, a family would bring me in with their four year old who's having multiple tantrums a day and, um, they're really, we're really, really struggling. Well, when we get down to it, we're really looking at what's happening. Well, this child is only getting six hours sleep a night. So no wonder they're sleep deprived. Sleep is the issue, which is causing Mm. all the other issues in the house. So this was happening more and more that I, that I was realizing that, okay, actually sleep is the thing here. This is what's, this is what's going on is, so I want to just now actually solely work on sleep because that's what I'm doing anyway. So with my background in child development, with look, or looking at, um, sleep. More importantly, I think what what worked for me was having these two kids with a 14-month age gap and seeing how vastly different their personalities were and how that impacted how they slept, how they slept from the day they were born. Um, that really got me interested in how individuals and how different temperaments sleep different ways. Um, and so at that point, then I just pivoted into, okay, now I want to, now I want to work with sleep. And when I started my working solely with sleep, I was one of two children's sleep consultants on the West Coast. There oh. was just me and there was somebody else in LA. Um, there were a few more on the East Coast, definitely. And I don't think there were very many in the middle. Um, but yeah, there was, there was just two of us on the, on the entire West Coast when that kind of 15 years ago. And now we're everywhere. And, you know, I think that there's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but I think that there's such a mix of different children's sleep consultants out there. And, um, you know, we do, we get, we have a bit of a bad rap and I get that because, you know, for some of us children's sleep consultants, it's well-deserved, but for right. others like me, I'm just like trying to sort of like, Hey, I'm, I'm not like that. I've never yeah, been like yeah. that. <laughs> right. Right. And that's, I think most people just don't even know that there is, a, I mean, I certainly didn't know that there was that option of somebody who, I, and I think that you said it, you sandwiched your whole story in between what I feel as like, you know, a social worker with a mental health background and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
the <laughs> most important thing is that you are trained in child development. Yeah. Yes. And I, yeah. And I think a lot of people are not. Maybe yeah. they say they are and they took a class in undergrad. And so now mm-hmm. they're an expert in child development. Mm-hmm. And like, and that is the most important thing with with that and with all kinds of parenting is just that we have to understand where the child is developmentally, what they're capable of, what they're not capable of, what is normal and what is, yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yes, that that is such a key part of of um, of being, you know, of working anything with children is you've got yeah. to have that more of an understanding to be able to understand the why um, and what we can actually expect, what's normal, what we can expect. Um, and that, that even now is tough, even with that background, because there is so much being thrown at us, which is, you know, you'll see, I, I love, I do love reading, you know, all these studies and everything on what on sleep and actually what's normal when it comes to sleep is very mm-hmm. different from what we've been told is normal exactly, when it comes exactly. to sleep. <laughs> the cultural and family expectations of sleep are so completely different from what is developmentally normal or, or yeah. even, you know, even capable mm-hmm. of, of a child or safe even as a, for a baby. Yeah. And that's what, and so much of it, I think turns into like I'm constantly on ra- uh, rants about capitalism. <laughs> like so many people are now with sleep consultants, or and, and it's like, and it's just a thing now. I think it's gotten so much bigger with the internet. Is people are creating a product to sell, mm-hmm. and 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 maybe they don't have, you know, they've kind of come up with this idea of how to train kids to go to sleep, and that becomes their product, and then they market mm-hmm. it and they sell it. But mm-hmm. it's not based on anything real. Yeah. Or safe or healthy mm-hmm. or normal or, you know. Exactly. But you know, I understand, you know, yeah, it is capitalism totally because we all want that quick fix, whether that's right. when we're learning a new skill. You know, I've been doing, I've been trying to crochet and I am really bad at it and I want to be perfect at it instantly. I'm not, yeah. I'm never going to be a great crocheter. It's just not happening. Um, but we all want that instant. We all want it to be, you know, if that's where, you know, we're trying to whatever, if you want to lose weight or you want to do anything, we all want the instant. And so when somebody yeah. promises that they can get your child sleeping through the night in three nights, and then they're saying that this is evidence-based um, uh-huh. to try and guilt you into doing cry it out, then you're going to, you're going to do it rather than with me. Who's like, Hey, yeah, no, this is going to take weeks and weeks and weeks for you to get there. I yeah. see, you know, wait, which direction you're going to, cause we all want that quick fix. We're all done with the, that we're, we're done with the sleep deprivation. You, you say you, you're reaching out when you're at rock bottom and it can be hard then to choose the not quick fix. But then when you actually look at that quick fix, it doesn't align with what you believe or what you know will work for your child. And I think that's a huge part is a lot of these programs will have a, you know, this is going to work for every single child. And that's just false. It's just that just isn't the, isn't the case at all. Every child is unique and you need to adapt everything to the family situation, the age of the child, the the um, personality of the child, what exactly how it is that they're falling asleep now, that all needs to be taken into consideration when you are then making those changes with sleep. Because a super laid back, easygoing, 
nine month old who is has their you know their back patted as they fall asleep is going to need a very different plan from a really intense and spirited six month old who is breastfed and rocked to sleep very mm-hmm. different plan and it's going to be obviously a lot harder if you're just kind of doing your extinction method, it's going to be a lot harder for that child who is breastfed rock to sleep than it is for that child who just has that little bit of back tapping to get them to sleep. Yeah. Um, so everything needs to be adapted. It really does. And it's a shame that it's not. It really is. I, that's what I do. I work with families as individuals and we adapt everything. But then I do have online courses as well, but I give everybody that ability to adapt it, looking at what your child's personality is, how you're going to adapt it depending on age, personality, and then what you're comfortable doing. You've got to do this night in, night out. You need to be comfortable because if it feels horrible, you're not going to do it. You're going to give in. And so there's no point in even getting started if you're not going to be able to see it through. And so I like to make steps small enough that you can manage and are easy and are not really that noticeable to the child. I mean, Mm. when we were working together, we never did anything big. There were no real big steps. We did lots of little tweaks and changes. And, you know, we were making these changes that were easy for you to do was not overwhelming for you to do, but it also meant that for the children, it what they didn't kind of really know that there was anything changing. It wasn't right. big enough to be overwhelming for them. It was manageable. The steps were small enough and they were manageable. So that's when it works, when you can do small little steps that are going to that are going to be easy for you and easy for your child to adapt to. That, um, that's what I say on the podcast a lot is that when we were working together, that so much of the work was us, mm-hmm. us, the adults learning about what to expect and mm-hmm. about brain sleep and the environment. There was very little things that we were like doing to Jack. Yeah. Or actually, you know, it's like, it was more about us just learning. I mean, yeah. I just feel like once you are learning about, you know, what's, how your brain makes melatonin. Mm-hmm. I remember you talking about that and the lights have to be dim and then brain makes melatonin. And if it's too bright, it won't. And, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't go through the eyes. It goes through the forehead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I remember all this and I'm like, oh my God, what? I didn't know any of that. And like, mm-hmm. when you start to learn that, then you're making changes. You don't even really realize that you're making mm-hmm. changes. You're just like, oh, this is how it has to be. We have to dim the lights. We have to, we have to, yeah. you know. And so all of those little steps yeah, will build up and they'll have a real positive impact. But you don't, ne- you know, one of those steps is not going to magically make your child right. sleep through the night because you dim the lights. I mean, it's not, I right. wish it was oh, that right. simple. Yeah, no, 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 that was not the only thing. I just, that yeah, was part of lots. the yeah. kind of the education process. Yeah, that was one of a million things that we learned mm-hmm. about and, and made those changes. And so when you, so uh, I have seen words and phrases and things like this going around um so much more than when um when my kids were like babies mm-hmm. things like things like drowsy but awake <laughs> that was around you know yeah um now i see a lot of like wake windows mm-hmm. um i'm trying to think of other like kind of phrases and and things that you're seeing i the one <laughs> that i'm really seeing a lot of is evidence based 
there's uh-huh. evidence based. Oh, yeah, that yeah. seems to be kind of the latest is um, that a, a sleep consultant will use evidence based techniques to make you feel that, well, you know, evidence based must be that this is something that I should be doing. Um, right. And evidence based is a hundred percent cried out. That's that's what evidence based means is that it is cried out because there are studies that have been done that show children who do cry it out um, over a, you know a study where we're looking at a lot of children it does work for the majority of them they cry it will out be cry it out works know. really well it works it works and it works fast yeah exactly and- for the majority of children so there's that you know, they're the, the minority it does not work for, for whatever reason. We're not, they're not even looking as to why it doesn't work. Yeah. They're not looking at ages of children. They're not looking at how they were initially falling asleep. They're not looking at any of that. They're just looking at, did it work or did it not? Yes or no. And, and so work the, means, and, and work means like, did it get them to sleep? Yes. So were like, they, did it make them happy adults or emotionally secure children or, t- you know, yeah, because there no. are, I mean, in my opinion, there are consequences to cry it out, even though, mm. sure, yeah. there's evidence that it works. Yeah. But does that mean it's healthy? Yeah, exactly. Yes. I mean, and it, it, if I, uh, if it feels wrong to you, if, if listening to your child cry feels wrong, how does it feel for your child? How, right. you know, really, how, how must they feel? And you're ignoring your child when they're asking for help. Now we know when your child is kind of just like fussing and they're just kind of like, uh, noisy, they're beginning to get frustrated and they're not necessarily asking for help at that point. But it's when it's that real big, urgent, mommy, I need you now cry. Right. That's the one when they're asking for help and you ignore that. Well, would you do that with if there was an elderly person in their room calling for help? Would you ignore that? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't ignore that. Even if you knew that that elderly, but well, yeah, they should be asleep by now. They just need to go to sleep. You wouldn't ignore anybody if they were calling for help. But when it's a baby and it's a cry because you think that they should be going to sleep, it's fine to ignore it. And it is not fine to ignore it. You should never, ever ignore your child if they're asking for help, whether they're three months, three years, 13 years old, 30 years old. If your child wants help, you help them. Um, if you're, you know, that's really sort of what we want for our children, isn't it? To, for them to know that they can always rely on us to help them. If it is in the middle of the night, yeah, it sucks. And that's when my teenagers want to talk to me is they'll come upstairs, you know, at whatever, 11 o'clock at night, midnight, and I'm just about to go to sleep or I am already asleep. And they're like, mom, mm-hmm. can we talk? And I'm just like, oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> let, yeah, me, right. let me just, let me get up and uh, I'll, be, I'll be downstairs in a sec. And you just kind of do it because that's when they want to talk. That's when they want that help. And that's what I signed up for when I became a parent, that I'm right. going to help my kids regardless of the, you know, it's not just like, well, I can only help you between the hours of 7 a.m. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, like, well, you know, hour. yeah, exactly. We are, you know, this is not a helping time right now. Yeah. This is what, this is what I signed up for. And though, yeah, it's, it's not my favorite thing being able to being dragged out of bed, but my favorite thing is that my kids know that they can come to me day or night and that they can trust me to be there for them and to help them when they need the help, whether that's with that they can't fall asleep 
and that has certainly been, you know, that's even a thing with teenagers that they can't fall asleep. Um, or it's that they've got something, you know, something happened at school or they've got some anxiety about something or other. I oh, want yeah. to be there for them regardless of what it is. Yeah. And I, I, I was recently watching like a, an episode of family ties. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that show yeah. from the eighties yeah. with yeah. Um, Michael J. Fox and mm-hmm. the family? And it was just set in their, you know, it was just set in their house and they, they have a baby at some mm-hmm. point in later seasons and the mom and dad are, it's like, it's nighttime. The baby's gone to bed, but the baby and the baby's in their own room, you know, in a crib, of course. <laughs> Yep. in their own room and the and the mom and dad are the baby's crying crying his face off and the parents are standing in front of the door arguing with each other <laughs> about whether they should go in you know mm-hmm. and the, the mom's like oh but but you know we want to make we don't want to make him you know too dependent we want him to learn <laughs> independence and the dad's like but yeah but oh it's terrible we should go in there well but and then they're just kind of going back and forth and it's like this is like a like first of all it was so much more I don't know. I don't know if I want to say if it was more normal because I it, feel like no, it was. was. It yeah, was. it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that's what you did. I feel like in the eighties, it was like a peak of just like put the baby in there and let him cry. Yeah, we well, got to remember as well. Eighty five is when Doctor Ferber's book came out. Oh God, eighty five, and that f- I have a copy of that first, um, the first publishing of it, and in that book it says that to, it's obviously suggests doing cry it out. If your child vomits when they're doing cry out, just leave them. Then when they oh fall in the, then when they fall in asleep, that's only when you can go in and clean them up. That's what the eighty five version of that. It doesn't say it now. It has changed yeah. now. Thank goodness that's been taken out. But that's where you know that's where we were. That's where parenting was in the eighties. That's 80s. where we were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, can't they choke on their vomit and die? I mean, yeah, and it, I mean, yeah. it just, you can't even imagine, can you? Just like no. they, they've, it would just be everywhere. It'll be in the hair. It'll be all over the room. It'll be, uh, it just, it, I mean, I read that and I, and I started crying as I read that. Yeah. And my, I was at home and my husband was like, oh my God, what's wrong? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you won't believe this. It's just so awful. <laughs> yeah. I actually remember I'm, I'm reading the, um, politics of breastfeeding right mm. now. I, um, mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm not that far in, but, and I read really slow, but anyway, um, they're talking about, um, I I don't have the book in front of me, but it was some doctor in the 1700s who, who was saying, and it wasn't really about sleep. It was just kind of about parenting in general, Mm -hmm. about how women were not capable of making decisions for their family and they should not be the ones in charge of, of the family and the decisions for the baby, you know, that there should be a man and there should be, you know, of course, of course he wanted it to be the doctor. Yeah. Who was and these women just were not capable of doing that. Oh my God. Like, you know, how much of that does that play into now? Just all, all of the parents, especially like, you know, women or non-white men mm-hmm. thinking that they don't, Mm. know what's right for your baby they don't i don't know i'm not the final you know i'm not the final authority on my child like surely somebody else knows better surely the way that i'm feeling isn't right and you know my doctor is going to tell me this and that has to be the thing that's right and we just don't like even trust no we we don't no our instincts we've been you know we've been conditioned to kind of 
when it comes to parenting to try to ignore those instincts that you have. Um, because if you're repeatedly going to the doctor because you feel that something's wrong with your child and you're being dismissed all the time, and that happens every single day to, yeah. I don't even know how many, how many families that happens. And then, yeah, what well, you trust your instinct. I always say to families, trust your instinct because the instinct, a parent's instinct, has kept the human race going this long. Right. Um, so don't don't dismiss it. If you're ever you know if you're ever being told to do anything that makes you feel kind of icky inside, don't do it. Or if you ever you know the same with people. If they if you go and meet somebody um, and you're a, whatever a play date or and somebody there makes you feel kind of a bit icky, trust that feeling. Don't just dismiss it. Trust that feeling because your instinct is really, really important. And we're constantly being told to look at the bigger picture and, and don't trust that. But you should always trust yeah. your instinct. Always. Yeah. And I and I, I remember working with you too and all of the everything that we were doing, the whole entire thing. Now, of course, there were times that were really difficult and it didn't work right away. But like mm -hmm. everything was just about like easing the anxiety, bringing things back down to baseline and creating more, you know, restful and connected. It, like everything moved in this direction of connection and calm. Mm. There was nothing yeah. that was like, oh, that feels kind of weird. We'll just have to get used to that. Mm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it didn't mm. ever feel like just like if like, okay, just put your baby in the room and just let them cry. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know who's like, you're going to just be like, oh, okay, okay, well, the expert's telling me to do this. So I guess I'll do it. I don't feel kind of weird. Like, I never, you know, like, that was not. No, that, that was never, ever a thing. It was. That's not it, a thing. And like, that's like, if if that feels like, just like, just like what you were saying, mm -hmm. if it feels that way, then it can't be right. Yeah. If it, if, and you, and remember, every single child's completely unique. And so some children will just fuss and they'll fuss for, even if it's like 20 minutes, but it never gets to a cry, then they're fine. And they're, you know, if they're able to then fall asleep and they're able to sleep along, so not a problem, but it's when it gets to that. And most people kind of will know that that, oh yeah, no, they don't need help now. They're doing okay. They don't need help now. But then when it is big, when that begins to ramp up and that's when you kind of think it's that, it's that cry that makes you jump out of bed before you're even awake. That's the right. one that you don't ever want to ignore. Um, whether that's after two seconds or 20 right. minutes or whenever. Don't ever ignore that because that is your child asking for help. And that's when you need to go and help them. Yeah. And we all know that fussiness, right? Because that's yeah. the, fu the fussiness, the scream cry is what makes you jump up. That fussiness yeah. is what makes you hold still. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> hold yeah. still, don't move. Yeah. I remember holding onto the sheets in bed, just like, okay, okay. What's going to happen with this? Is it going to ramp up or is it going to right. you know, go down and just like, okay, just hold off, just hold off and just wait. And then, you know, you know which way it's going. If it stops, great. Yeah. If it doesn't, it goes the other way. Then that's when you want to jump out of bed. Yeah. Okay. So the trends that we were talking about, so you say like evidence-based is yeah. like a, kind of a red flag for you. Mm -hmm. I hear wake windows a lot. Is that a mm -hmm. thing that you, you work with wake windows? Do I you do work with wake windows. Yeah. And I think that the wake windows are um, better than having a routine. Routine is something that 
doesn't work for a lot of people. Um, yeah. And as, as a lot of times people are just like, oh no, I don't want to be on a routine. Too, routine is too restrictive. And I get that. And a routine doesn't work for the majority of people because a routine only works when everything is predictable. And as humans, mm. we're not. So that means that your child wakes up at the exact same time every morning and then they nap for the exact same duration every single nap. And that's when a routine works. An awake window is, I like to have an awake window, but it's a maximum awake window. So a maximum awake window would be for a four month old, a maximum awake window would be an hour and a half. That means you don't really want them to be awake for longer than an hour and a half. Now they could be awake for an hour. They can be awake for, you know, much shorter if they Mm -hmm. need to be going down to sleep, but you're going to be maximuming out at that hour and a half. Again, depending on the temperament of the child will depend how much wiggle room you have with overtiredness. More laid back, easygoing children can handle that a little bit more than those more intense spirited or shy children get overtired too quickly. So that's where really for those more intense spirited children, that awake window, maximum awake window is very helpful because you're not getting to that overtired stage because those mm. overtired, those mm. intense children are not great at showing you tired signs. And so it's not that you can just kind of look for those, oh, I can see, oh, you're beginning to yawn. And so let's get started with our nap time routine, get you down for that nap. A lot of children, that that is the case, laid back, easygoing children, more intense children, they don't necessarily do that. Um, And so if you wait until you see a a yawn, that's for an intense child, that's way beyond the awake window, way beyond that perfect awake window, and is generally when they've got overtired. And when they've got overtired, that's when it's hard to get them down to sleep and it's hard for them to remain asleep because they're so overtired. Yeah, I I do remember that with um, both of my kids, and mm. I think that was one. I think that well, maybe more with Jack, but I, I that was one of the big things learning is that because Jack would be so, uh, he'd be so wild and mm-hmm. frantic and kind of running around, and we'd be like, okay, he needs to burn energy. Let's let's play. Let's get all this energy out. Only to learn that that was the absolute worst thing. <laughs> that, that, that he was overtired and that kids, when they're overtired, get like delirious mm-hmm. and really and overactive. And it was like, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. I think sometimes we don't. I mean, I didn't know that. Yeah. You just want to do the exact opposite. Let's slow down. Let's wind down. Let's let's just sort of get still because that's a lot of time, you know, if you just, if you just stop moving, you'd be able to fall asleep, but it's just, yeah, most of us do get, as we get to that real overtired can become sort of a little bit more, you know, it's like you've just had, you know, a can of Red Bull kind of thing. It's like yeah. giving your child a can of Red Bull and they're just sort of like, you know, bouncing around right. and um, a lot of energy. And that's, that's definite overtiredness when you see that happen. And sometimes you can see that they begin to get tired. They begin to physically slow down and then boom, they're then got overtired and they just got this biggest kind of rush of energy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you do it. It's, 
burn a little bit of that off and then try to then be kind of like physically slowing down. And that can be hard for some children when they're at that point to physically slow down. You know, if you're then trying to like, oh, let's just do some coloring or let's do a Mm -hmm. puzzle, they're going to be, that's not going to happen. And so you need to find what is going to work. And I know this goes against everything that you should, you'll hear a sleep consultant say, but sometimes (laughs) that's watching a screen. Sometimes that is because that will physically slow the child down. Yeah. I know mentally it's still very, very stimulating, but physically the child will slow down because they will sit and watch something. And obviously depending on what you're watching, uh, but that can be a good start for beginning that wind down because you physically got them still. And then you can work on relaxing their mind, but you just need to kind of stop. You just need to stop them moving for them to be able to relax. Yeah, I, 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 that is such a big thing. I mean, we still to this day, the, the, well, you called them siestas at the time, but we uh-huh. had wind it down time and we still have wind it down time. Before we go to sleep, we have wind it down time. Both the kids, like Jack is usually with my husband and mm-hmm. Exley's with me. And Exley and I will watch a little, he has this little YouTuber that he likes who like tells joke and, jokes and stuff. And we watch mm-hmm. that for 10 minutes. And then, I'm like, okay, well, let's do like a leg massage or something. Because the screen yeah. thing is not like the final thing. It's not like, here's the screen. Now lay your head down and close your eyes. Like, yeah. it's just like you said, it's such a good way to get um, them to hold still long enough for their body to realize and their brain to realize that they're actually tired. <laughs> like, yes. you can actually feel that. Do you feel that? That's tired. Like, yeah. you're actually tired. Mm. And I, I feel like connecting with that is so hard. And actually, when you, when children can recognize that and feel it. Yeah. It's like a yes. whole new, there's a whole new phase. Mm, they definitely. Yeah, definitely, definitely is when they're really aware of how their body feels. And that's when, you know, like that's when they'll also begin to, oh, I've got a bit of a tummy ache or, you know, when the oh, younger yeah. child who's teething, ah, this really, really hurts because they're beginning to be aware of their body. So that's when they'll yeah. suddenly have, my legs are aching, growing pains, all of those things happen. You get more sort of, you know, even though a lot of people, you know, teething doesn't just happen at night, but if it's just a little bit of an annoying pain, you're more aware of it at night. Your child is going to be more aware because they're more aware of their body when they're awake and they're up and they're busy they're not so aware of the, their feelings. And so a lot of times, you know, sometimes children will even ignore hunger and thirst because they're not aware oh, yeah. of it. Um, and so just then that's when, if they've been ignoring all of those things during the day, when they then begin to slow down, physically slow down, they're aware of their body. They're aware of those tired feelings, but they're also aware of everything else. Um, and so that's when, you know, even having that is we had that the little siesta time, that little kind of chill out, hang out time, whether that's a nap or not, or, you know, I, I call it a siesta because I like to rebrand the nap because a lot of children don't mm-hmm. want to nap as they get a little bit older. They're just like, yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I'm not going to nap. And I'm like, that's fine. You don't have to nap. We're going to have a siesta and we're just going yeah. to, you know, like you don't have to sleep, but we're going to be just physically slowing down. And that then can help. One, your child may suddenly decide they're ravenously hungry. Great. Let's get some food. Um, they, they may, they're just going to be more aware of themselves and that then helps connecting them with themselves during the day it will then help them to be able to relax and unwind when it comes to sleep. And we'll be right back with Rebecca Meeky after a word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Saris Chill, a company that never stops making the lives of breastfeeding parents easier. Created by a mom for moms, Saris Chill knows 
the challenges that come with the journey, including cleaning pump parts and baby bottles in some of the ickiest places. Keeping breastfeeding gear clean is super important, but it can feel almost impossible when you're away from home. With the all-you-need wash basin bag, you'll always have a safe place to wash your essentials. All you need is soap and water. The wash basin includes a waterproof canvas bag, a collapsible scrub brush, a soap dispenser, and a microfiber towel. Not only are the parts TSA-friendly, but it can roll up between uses to be tossed in the wash at the end of the day. Whether it's a game-changing breast milk chiller, an epic freezer storage system, or a travel wash basin bag, the company has everything you need and want. Sarah's Chill is truly breastfeeding reimagined. Head to Sarah's Chill, that's C-E-R-E-S-C-H-I-L-L.com, or check them out on Instagram at Sarah's Chill. And you can use code BADASS for 15% off of your purchase. And today's episode is also brought to you by Fairhaven Health. If you're struggling with sore nipples, you need pain relief fast. And when sore nipples turn to cracked nipples, forget about it. It's enough to want to call it quits. Damaged nipples can cause real problems with successfully breastfeeding your baby. Check with a lactation consultant that your baby is getting a good latch and get some Milky's Nipple Nurture Balm. Nipple Nurture Balm is formulated to soothe, protect, and heal sore or cracked nipples. This nipple balm is made with organic herbal ingredients and combined with natural moisturizers to help provide relief and to heal affected areas and even protect prevents from prevent cracks from reappearing. Nurture Nipple Balm alleviates the discomfort so the joy can be restored to your special bonding time. It's safe for both parent and baby, and there is no need to wipe it off before breastfeeding. Head to fairhavenhealth.com, that's F-A-I-R-H-A-V-E-N health.com, and use code BADASS for 15% off your purchase. And all of these sponsors and their promo codes can be found in the show notes under this episode, wherever you're listening from. And they can also be found at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com, along with all of our other episodes, our resources, and information about scheduling your very own one-on-one online lactation consultation with Diane. And now we can get back to our interview with Rebecca Miki. Now, when when we work with breastfeeding, we there are usually like a handful of really, really common misconceptions, myths, whatever, that we are pushing back against or re-educating mm-hmm. about. Do you have some that come up about sleep that mm-hmm. are just really common, kind of yeah. just wrong? <laughs> yes. So one of them is that um, the 12 hours sleep at night, that oh is my a God. huge one. <laughs> That's huge. Everyone wants 12 hours of sleep at night. Yeah, of course. Because that's what the doctor is saying. That's what our pediatrician said. Jack was three months old and she was like, wait, he wakes up? Oh, he should be be sleeping 12 hours at night. I'm like, he's never slept 12 hours at night. What? (laughs) That is completely false. Uh, Looking at recent studies and looking at studies that have looked at studies, um, (laughs) The show us that there is no age where 12 hours of sleep at night is the normal. Now, of course, there are some who are doing it. Of course, sure. there are. And there are some who are getting more than that. 
But the average child at any age, it's somewhere between 10 and 10 and a half hours of sleep at night. That's kind of the normal, the normal range. Obviously, there's children who are getting way less. There's children who are getting way more, but the average is somewhere between 10, 10 and a half hours of sleep at night for all ages, right from three months up to about eight years old. That's, yeah, I'm really, really glad to hear you say that because I feel like that is something that we hear a lot too, is my, you know, my baby should, my doctor said my baby should be sleeping 12 hours, but he keeps waking up to nurse. Yeah. You know, what's wrong? <laughs> yeah. Another one is, yeah, that whole you sort have of a like, baby. The, yeah, exactly. That's really great. They're waking up to nurse. That's normal. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Yay for you. Uh, and wake ups, the whole sort of look again, looking at recent studies, and these are studies that came out within the last couple of years. Um, that show that the majority of children are waking and needing help during the night until they are over a year old. So this whole, they should be sleeping through the night by the time that they're insert stupidly young age, um, (laughs) is false because that's not what the majority of children are doing. The majority of children are waking up and needing help, not just waking up and they kind of squawk and then get back down to sleep. That's not needing help. They're needing help, whether that be with a feed or they're needing rocking back to sleep or that reassurance. It starts, you know, obviously we're looking at three months and there's a, you know, real high percentage of children who are at about three months. That actually does reduce down at about six months, much, much less children need help during the night and then increases dramatically at eight months. Um, and then it stays about the same about 12 months and then begins to sort of like slowly diminish as we get past the 12 month mark. So, um, that's, yeah, the whole, they should be sleeping for that whole 12 hours sleeping through the night is again, false. Yeah. And I have, because my kids were toddlers when they, they would still wake up Mm. and nurse in the middle of the night. Yeah, maybe not. And, maybe not every hour, but there was mm. definitely a certain time at night where they would just wake up and they would nurse back to sleep. Exactly. And, yeah. Is that really a problem? No, <laughs> not really not a problem. problem. I mean, it, you yeah. know, my, I mean, it might be a problem for me because I don't want to be woken up, but it's mm. a normal behavior. Exactly. And when and, you know that that's normal, it makes that whole, you know, if you kind of like wake you up and you're thinking, oh my God, this is not normal. Why are you yes. doing this? Then you're fighting it. But if you're just like, okay. And, you, and everyone's back to sleep so much quicker if you're not true. fighting it. Um, but yeah. So when I work with families, I will always say, I can't guarantee that I can get your child sleeping through the night because I can't, I don't know. I can't guarantee that we are going to eliminate all night feeds at all. But what we can do is reduce those down and get those down to the minimum. So that would be, you know, like we may be able to get that down to one or two feeds a night, which is potentially not ideal for a lot of families out there. And probably a lot of sleep consultants would just be like, only getting down to one or two feeds a night, but it's more realistic. Um, And when you're only able to feed your child down to sleep and they're waking up eight times a night and they can only feed or they're rocked back down to sleep every single time, waking up one or two times to feed them back to sleep and they fall asleep when they're feeding is a definite improvement and is normal. Um, and, um, is often, you know, the people that I work with, they're like, that's, that's what I want. I don't necessarily, you know, yeah, if I, if I can get my child sleeping through the night, amazing, but that's not necessarily my goal. My goal is for us to have a just not quite so, so challenging, um, of a night 
Um, and a lot of times as well, it's where if we have a child who's being fed down to sleep, it's only one, then one carer who can get them down to sleep. And so, you know, as children get a little bit older, then a lot of times parents want to share that responsibility. So I'll work mm-hmm. with families on how can we actually break the feeding to sleep association, um, but without stopping feeding to sleep, if that makes sense. So we still want it that the um, the breastfeeding parents can still breastfeed their child to sleep, but we can have another carer who, can, who ha- doesn't have functioning boobs, who can also mm-hmm. get them down to sleep quite successfully. And so that's what a lot of people's goals are, is to do, is yeah. to just ha- is to just have that. How do you do that? Oh. How, how is that <laughs> trade secret? I got no. I can. T- <laughs> I can. I can. T- you need to buy my eight million dollar package, to, and I will share those secrets with you. Not eight million dollars, and if you don't want to tell us the no. details, totally no, I can totally tell you the tell you the details. So the way that I do this is, I will have the breastfeeding uh, parent will, and it's again, sleep consultants will probably sort of like shudder as I say this that we're not that I think that. Breastfeeding is a habit. I don't think it's a habit. It's a, you know, it's a function of getting food into a baby. Um, but we're, we're break, we're changing one habit for another habit. So we're going to, what we're going to do is we're going to add rocking at the end of the breastfeed. So let's just say, for example, you breastfeed for about, you know, 12 minutes and your child falls asleep and then they kind of hang out, latched on for a little while and then they unlatch and then you're able to lay them down or you're able to sort of commando roll off the bed, whatever that be like. So what we'll start doing is we'll start having the breastfeeding parents sit up. I'll start then having them rock at the end of that feed so that we can then, the rocking is being involved with that whole falling asleep process. So Uh you're doing it right Mm -hmm. at the end and then you just get earlier and earlier and earlier and earlier uh, into the whole falling asleep process of having the rocking. Now, if you do have a parent who does want to stop breastfeeding to sleep, we can Mm -hmm. then start unlatching a little bit earlier. And we're not doing sort of like, you know, oh, they've been feeding for two minutes, let's unlatch. We're then sort of, once they've fallen asleep and they're doing that hanging out before they, where they're not actively feeding, but they're still hanging out before they naturally unlatch, we'll try Mm -hmm. unlatching them a minute, 30 seconds before you think they wouldn't unlatch anyway. But Mm -hmm. you're still rocking. So the rocking is then going to help them get into that deeper sleep. So as you Mm -hmm. take the 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 breast away, you've still got the help of getting to sleep. You've still got that rocking, the help of getting to sleep. And then you can work on reducing down the feed, increasing the rocking. And then when it comes to somebody else helping the child to sleep, the rocking then is not so new. They're used to that because they've had that with the feed and the rocking. So it's actually a great way of um, introducing it so somebody else can rock your child to sleep. And then actually rocking to sleep is an easier habit to break. It's easier to move away from than feeding to sleep is. Right. So, cause you can, you know, with, with rocking to sleep, you can just slow that up. You don't need to rock quite as far. You know, if you do mm-hmm. really big movements, you can just l- slower, you know, smaller movements and stop that little bit sooner, or you're just not so fast. So you can just have, again, have that timeline for moving away from rocking to sleep. So this is not a three night fix, you know, like try it out is a three night fix. You know, this is not, we're talking weeks here, but I think it's a really gentle, respectful, um, 
loving way of moving away from breastfeeding to sleep and introducing another carer or, you know, even then sort of moving away from any help to sleep if you want to. That's how I like to get started with it because it's respectful, gentle, and it works. <laughs> it works. And yeah, there's no excessive crying and no one's upset. Exactly. If you're trading one thing for another. I mean, this is the exact same theory that you would do that I talk to people about weaning. Yeah. You know, you want to just, you know, you're trading this comforting activity for another one. Yeah. Slowly so they don't really notice that it happened. Exactly. That's the exact same thing. The exact same principle there is that the the steps are so tiny that the child doesn't even realize Mm -hmm. that that's what's happening. And then, you know, if they do just kind of like wake up and they start rooting them around, just latch them on again. It's fine. It's not the end of the world. It's just, it's it's all okay. Uh, But it's a real, it's just, and so, yeah, it's, it's because it takes a long time. Obviously that takes a long time for you to get I think initially the getting started part is very sort of, you know, parents are very apprehensive and it's like, oh, is yeah. this going to work? Once you sort of get that momentum going, you can really, really speed it up right in the middle bit. You kind of have to slow up again at the end. But I've worked with many, many families and that's that has been our sleep training. That's That was mm-hmm. it, was just doing mm-hmm. that because now it's that they can just rock the child for a couple of minutes, lay them down, pat their back for a bit, and they get to sleep and they sleep for whatever, five hours, wake up, feed, back to sleep. They fall asleep feeding, put them, lay them back down, sleep for the rest of the night. Great. Everybody's happy. Um, and it, it just, it works. And, you know, just because cry it out works, it does, it's evidence-based, it works. And just because it works doesn't mean that you have to do it. Right. You can choose other techniques if you want to. If you don't want to do that, there are so many other things that you can do that don't look anything like that, that, that you know, are still teaching more independence when it comes to sleep, but it is not ignoring your child. It is not sort of disassociating, disconnecting from them where you can keep that secure attachment and where you can just respect and love and be there for everybody in the family without having to do the horrible icky stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, do you, do you see a difference in like sleep behavior or family uh, dynamics or just things like when there's a breastfeeding baby versus a I don't a bottle fed baby or a weaned toddler or something like that. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yes. Um, and that's something that I like to know before I'm working with a family is, you know, um, if the child is uh, breastfeeding or not, or their mm-hmm. um, expressed milk, or and and what that kind of what that whole kind of feeding looks like as well, yeah. uh, that's important to me uh, because you know we know that um, breastfed babies do need to feed more times per twenty four hours than formula fed babies do, um, mm-hmm. and so that obviously is a real kind of key part of working with a family is looking at all, looking at all of these things. Interesting. Now, do you, so I asked a bunch of, I asked a group of our listeners in our Patreon 
little mm-hmm. community. <laughs> and I said, you know, do you have any, I'm going to have Rebecca Miki on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have any questions? And I got, I got too many to really like to just kind of run through. But, but what I thought was interesting is that there were themes mm. and I, I thought we could maybe touch on those because, mm. and I would like to hear if you come across this a lot or if you have, you know, things. There were several people who were talking about how to transition the baby out of the adult bed to their own bed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Though I see this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 See this an awful lot. Um, that I actually have a, a, a masterclass, which is oh. trans- transitioning your child from your, you know, just more independent sleep. So moving out of oh, bed sharing, hello, out of everybody, wake up, <laughs> out of safe bed sharing to more independent sleep. Um, <clears throat> yeah, this is something that a lot of families struggle with, um, and. One thing I think really, really important to um, get just get started with is it's never an all or nothing. So if you help your child down to sleep, breastfeed them to sleep, and then you lay them down in a crib next to your bed or wherever, separate room, wherever, <clears throat> but not in your bed. And then you decide when are they then going to come into your bed? Is it going to be first wake up? Is it going to be after an hour? Is it going to be after four hours? You decide. But I would never ever do the entire night because nobody's going to be getting much sleep because it is somewhere completely new. So you decide. So just your child needs to get used to sleeping in that space before they go into comfortably sleep in that space. So just start, just get your child sleep, make sure they're in the super deepest sleep and then lay them down in wherever it is you want them to sleep. Um, make sure that they're comfortable with that space. Because if chances are, if you have a crib, it's been the most expensive laundry basket that you have ever, ever owned. And it's just all <laughs> it is done is bad laundry. In it. And your child has probably never been in there. And if then you're trying to get them, you lay them down and they're asleep and they wake up and they look and they'd be like, where the heck am I? This is terrifying. Mm-hmm, and they are mm-hmm. going to freak out. And then they've already got a negative association association with that space. Well, you do that again, they're going to be like, oh my God, I'm in here again and freak out. So we want to, before you even start getting them in there for sleep, have them in there for awake playtime. So not when they're tired, not when they're hungry, just part of your hanging out time during the day. Now this could be with an infant or it could be with a toddler or it could be with a preschool. It doesn't matter. They need to be comfortable with their, with their sleep space and that comes through play. So start small with just 30 seconds, a minute, but get them out when they're having the time of their life, because that makes going in next time much easier. If you wait until they're freaking out and done, again, negative association. So you want to have positive association with where you want them to be. Ton of toys in there, very obviously not sleep time. Get them out there in a great time. Do that two or three times a day. Then when you do get them down to sleep and you then lay them down there, when they then wake up, they're not going to be thinking, where the hell am I? They're going to be thinking, oh, I'm here and it's pretty cool. <laughs> so they're oh, not yeah. going to necessarily, they're going to still need help, but they it's going to be easier then for them. They're not just like freaking out, get me the heck out of here. You can then begin to increase the time that they're there as they become more comfortable and they become more used to sleeping there. So start small, tons of playtime and 
if you can have your child in your room or to begin with, you are going to remain in the room that they are sleeping in. Because remember, if you've been bed sharing, you've been there the instant that they've woken up. If now they're in a different room and you've got to then come in, you're not there. So I'd start the first few nights of you remaining in their room or just in the room right next to them so that you can instantly be there again. So that, again, mm-hmm. that just helps them with that transition that they're not feeling then that they're alone. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, oh, no, and I know we've been talking forever, but I have a couple more things. Yeah, no, great. Um, another uh, theme that I saw that came up a little bit, uh, a few more than once, was um, what these people were calling false starts. So, you yeah. know, baby was kind of fighting sleep or they'd fall asleep and wake up. And this was really, this was what was going on with Exley. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where he was oh, yeah. going to sleep and then like a, I don't know, you know, an hour, half an hour later, he was just waking up. And mm-hmm. then he was like, couldn't, he would just be moving around and mm-hmm. just kind of waking, falling and not sleeping for any significant period of time. Yeah. Do so you there's see different, that a lot? Yeah, there's, and there's many different reasons which can make this kind of tricky yeah. to try and figure out what is going on here. So it could be that with a younger infant that they've just treated that beginning of what you've decided is their bedtime as a nap. So, mm. um, because, you know, an infant, their bedtime is generally really, really late. You know, we're talking kind of midnight kind of time. And if you decide that once they, wherever, they get to 10 weeks and you decide, okay, I'm done with midnight, wake, going down to bed, seven o'clock is our, is our time. And you get them, try and get them down at seven o'clock. They're just going to treat that as a nap. Daytime sleep and nighttime sleep are managed by different areas of the brain. And until that kind of nighttime kicks in, everything is a nap, especially as we're getting mm. past that 12 week stage. Before that, everything, nap is a nap, sleep is a sleep and everything is a nap. But as we're then getting past that 12 week stage, we have nighttime sleep, daytime sleep separate. So if you are having that, your child, you're like, you can still get them down to sleep at seven. Great. But they only nap for, a, they sleep for about 45 minutes and then they're awake for quite a while. That may be that they're just treating it as a nap and their natural bedtime is later. So you could then just, okay, if they're ready then at nine to go down to sleep, that's when they start getting decent, you know, a long stretch, that may be their more natural bedtime. And so you want to treat anything before that as a nap. But then you can also have these false starts can be due to overtiredness. So if your child has not napped great mm. during the day, mm. then they're going to have more of these false starts at the beginning of the night. But it could also be that you laid your child down in too much of a deep sleep. Um, and this is where it gets really tricky because drowsy but awake doesn't really work for the majority of children out there. So you would, uh, but if your child can't do it from awake, they're going to need help, but maybe not in such a deep, deep, deep sleep before you're then laying them down. Um, so a bit of a, bit of a lighter sleep can help there so that you're then able to sort of lay them down. And they, they will, this will naturally happen. Whenever you're moving a child, they'll begin to wake up a little bit. But then if you can mm-hmm. help them back down to sleep, whether it's on your bed or in their bed, as you lay them down or you unlatch or you move them away, whatever that is, they'll begin to wake up. But if you can be hands-on, jiggling, shushing, helping them back down into a deeper sleep, one, you're making sure that they're going down into a deeper sleep. They're not just waking up. But then they did more of this falling into that deeper sleep on the bed rather than in your arms or latched on, which can then be when another reason why they get the wake ups because they were kind of too asleep once they were laid down. So if they can do a little bit more of that on the bed, 
then that can be easier for them to get through multiple sleep cycles at the beginning of the night. Oh. Now, do you have any, um, because t- our we talk so much about bed sharing on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, like, w- I'm, I'm sure you work with bed sharing families. Mm, yeah. And yeah. do you, is there any, like, tricks or tips or anything for people kind of getting sleep, more sleep when they're bed sharing that you see that maybe mistakes that people are making or, or... <sighs> Things yeah, I, differently that need to be done when the baby's in your bed? I, you just obviously want to make sure that the space is safe. That's really, oh, really yeah. important um, is that the, the space is safe. Even if you have no intention of bed sharing, still totally. make sure that you, that it's safe because if you're bringing a child into your bed to feed them during the night, I guarantee you're going to fall asleep at some point. It may not yep. happen every night, but at some point you will. And so you want to make sure that the space is safe, even if you have no intention of bed sharing. Um, but there is no one thing that works for everybody because we all have our own preferences when it comes to sleep. I like to sleep on my back when I when I sleep, whereas my husband likes to sleep on his front. And so there's not one thing that is going to work for everybody because we're all so unique when it does yeah. come to sleep. So it's really what what works for you and is safe. Just go for it. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, just like very different from what your yeah. your friends are doing. If it's if it's safe and it works. There's nothing to change. Yeah, that's the that's like the ultimate thing, really, at the end of it all with the cry it out or with the bed sharing or anything that generally people are kind of what the mainstream information is and people kind of like getting looked at weird at family reunions because maybe they're still (laughs) breastfeeding or they're bed sharing Mm -hmm. or they're whatever. They're not doing cry it out and all their friends say they should like it who cares like it does and it doesn't matter like in mm. the end it really doesn't matter yeah oh my god to, there's so many other what, things for us to no? worry about in yeah. this world <laughs> i know hi whose city is flooding right now exactly. are we all raising our hands uh you know yeah just like we, i mean and you know there was there was okay so exley is just turned nine mm-hmm. and exley is still in our bed mm-hmm. now he he was messing around with kind of going into his own bed when the pandemic happened. Yeah. And even Jack came back to the, to the bed mm-hmm. for a while. Cause it was just such a scary like time. Yeah. And we were all so uncertain. And that was just kind of where everybody really felt really safe. And mm-hmm. I think we made sleeping too good. And you know, our bed was like too nice. Everybody just mm-hmm. wants to be in there all the time. I mean, I personally don't mind it, but like, you know, maybe people think it's weird. And I don't care. Yeah. You know, I I don't care. It works. Exley is not going to be 16 sleeping in my bed. I just don't think that's going to happen. And I don't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I will oftentimes tell um, parents that it's okay to lie to somebody who's going to judge you. Oh yeah, totally. (laughs) So, so, you know, they'll ask, you know, you got Mrs. Sort of like, you know, judgy from over the street. Who's asking if your baby's sleeping through the night, just say, yeah, just sort of like, you know, just like, yeah, this would be great. Thanks. And just, you know, you don't have to, if somebody's going to be judging you or you know that somebody's going to be telling you that you need to be doing, you know, have the, some really crappy advice, just lie. It's, you know, it's really, really 
doesn't matter. Now, when it, it this is it gets tricky when it comes to healthcare providers because your healthcare provider will you know will potentially be asking if um, one they're sleeping through the night as you you know as you got that with Jack when he was like stupidly right. young is he sleeping through the night are they sleeping through the night um, and then there's that whole a lot of times parents won't admit to bed sharing yes. because they fear that they're going to be judged by their healthcare provider. Um, try to find a healthcare provider who is going to support you on your on your parenting journey. There are a lot of healthcare providers who will support safe bed sharing. Um, so try and sort of find somebody out who is going to be more supportive of if you're delaying your vaccines or your, you know, whatever, breastfeeding till your child wants it, whatever. Find somebody, right. find that village. Uh, and not everybody's going to be in that village. There's going to be people who are in the judgy village up the street who are, you know, and they're still going to be coming into your life, but we don't care about them. We just, you just right. want to be where you just want to be that core people that you know. And it may be that those are people on the internet. They may be that those are people that you have never, ever met, but they support you on your, on your parenting journey. That's what you need is that sort of like little core of people who are going to support you and they are not going to be judging you and they're just going to let you do you find those people because those are the ones that you want and you, you know that you want building you up not the other people who are going to be tearing you down i agree it's so true it's hard enough as it is we just really need to focus on the people who are who are supporting us yeah now you mentioned we can finish up tell us where people can find you so you can find me, my website is childrensleepconsultant.com. So you can find me there. Um, that's where you'll find it's real extensive blog. So there's a bazillion different blog posts on absolutely everything um, sleep related. You'll find ways to work with me and my courses and masterclasses, all of that's on there. Um, you'll also find me on kind of every social media <laughs> I'm trying to sort of like be Are you everywhere. on threads? I mean, come I'm on. on threads. Yes, I am on threads. I'm on. Um, and I've just started on TikTok as well. There is no oh, dancing. Cool. I am not dancing. I oh, come refuse. on. I think it yeah. would be much more engaging if you danced while you gave us your Abby, advice. I'm a 48-year-old <laughs> British woman. I am not going to be dancing on TikTok, okay? Not happening. But those are the ones that go viral, I mean. I know, and I really don't want to be going viral for dancing on TikTok. No. Thank you. Now, um, you mentioned you mentioned your courses and your masterclasses. Uh-huh. What yes. are what are those like do you have you said you had a masterclass on transitioning to more independent. Yeah, that I'm just, I'm just doing, um, things have been changing up a little bit recently where I'm now having more courses and masterclasses available. That one is going to be, um, available real soon. Right now I'm getting out there. The, do you need to be, you know, do you need to be with a child whilst they fall asleep? Introducing another oh, carer okay. to your bedtime routine. Mm. These are all, um, masterclasses that are going to be up and available real soon. I do have available right now as I have, um, Slumber Academy Newborn, which is, um, it's a website, which has got a lot of information, you know, real 
true, true, honest information on newborns. And it's not just sleep, it's a lot of newborn development. And we go week by week as to looking at sort of, you know, what things you can work on this week, different play activities you can work on this week, and then how sleep develops and how your child is developing each week. So it's a, a really nice little um, place that you can get that information. You can also just sign up for the free newborn emails um, oh. where you get an email each week. So you sign up for however old your child is this week, next week you'll get sort of like, this is what's happening developmentally. Um, oh, you'll get oh. those. Those So those are free. Um, I have um, sleep training in Slumber Academy, which is real gentle sleep training. That's now a standalone course. Um, the early wake up cure is uh, also available. I'm about to launch as well, the short nap cure. So just again, real, real gentle ways of tweaking mm-hmm. and changing and making some changes to sleep without being scary. Um, or, um, there's definitely, there's no cry it out. There's no, there's, um, it's not veiled cry it out. Yeah. Um, when you sort of read, you know, sleep training, it is, you are with your child the entire time. You pick them up whenever you want to, and you can soothe them however you want to. If that's with a feed or you're rocking them or whatever, you, you know your child better than anybody. And I'm not going to tell you when you can pick your child up. That's just <laughs> wrong. <laughs> so it's all real supportive ways that you can, that you can get, um, that you can get support. Definitely. That's awesome. And people can hire you as individually, right? As your, yeah. the consultant yep. too. So, okay. Yeah. So I do have um, a limited amount of families that I could work with at any given time, but just that for that more one-on-one personalized um, experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can most certainly work privately with me. That's amazing. I highly recommend all of these things. I think I might need to check some of them out too. They work with nine-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> They might, they might, oh, they might do. Yeah, <laughs> especially things like early wake ups. Those, oh are, you my know, god. Yes. when yes. do they? Oh my god, he, they're no. Oh my god, they don't. He's not growing out of that. Exley is just like he is like a rooster. Mm, we are, you know. We're naturally either night owls or early birds. So we mm-hmm. naturally will fall into one of these two categories. Um, when we get to, when teenagers become teenagers, their whole sleep shifts. So they'll still need that same amount of sleep per night, but they can't actually, they're not programmed to fall asleep until about midnight, but they still need that kind of eight hours, uh, nine hours of sleep per night. So that's when you'll get teenagers will sleep in because they stay up stupidly late and right. then they they will then sleep in till stupidly late as well uh. so it all i mean it all it does it does happen i mean what time is it now it's quarter past 10 in seattle my daughter is still in bed she's still asleep in bed oh, and sweet <laughs> Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> and it, yeah. Oh, it ha- it happens. And and so, yeah, I, I don't know why, but it's, you know, what really sucks about this is as I get old, my kids get older and they do that, you know, they're all completely independent and they sleep in. I can't sleep in anymore. I'm up at oh, six yeah. o'clock regardless, oh, regardless yeah. of the day. I, I could sleep until 10 if I wanted to, but no, my body doesn't let me do that anymore. Things begin to hurt and I need to pee and I'm just <laughs> yeah. wide awake and it's just like, damn it. <laughs> I think it's actually, I think it was him waking me up for nine years straight at six o'clock in the morning or earlier. I think he trained me. Yeah, probably. But you now can my get body pay- is just like, I can't sleep like later than you that. You can get payback then when he is sleeping until uh, noon. Yes, that's true. 
Yeah. I kind of like, I kind of will be rather loudly putting dishes away from the dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's 10 o'clock. Everybody should be awake by now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't have to be quiet. I only have to be quiet from the hours of like 10 to six and then, yeah. it's all- and then game over. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rebecca, it was, um, delightful as usual. And uh, thank you so much for spending this time with us. And until next time, yeah. I hope you'll come back again and oh, tell us certainly. more about sleep because yeah. I really feel like we scratched the surface, obviously, of all of this. And But I do recommend all of you head over there. I'm going to put all these links in the um, show notes. Great. So you can, well, right now, as you're listening, you can scroll down there and, and uh, mm-hmm. follow Rebecca and find all the little courses and stuff that you that will work for you. And you never know, you might, you might get a dance on TikTok if you're, yeah, if follow you're really on TikTok lucky. And get a dance. Maybe that'll be like the treat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If this video gets 5,000 likes, I will do a dance. <laughs> it needs to be way more than that. Oh, way, okay. way more than that. <laughs> a million. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Rebecca, thank you so much. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, Abby. 